hey, do you like who you're sitting next to this morning? Seriously, some of y'all are a little weirded out. Maybe like, I got to hold their hand. It's okay. Listen, we're going to be in heaven together one day. I, and, and so let's just kind of break the ice now, okay? Just get to know somebody. Wow. Like somebody's like, oh. Like Monk. You remember that TV show, Monk? My wife still watches that mess. My wife still watches Murder, She Wrote. When, when did that series end? Like 1967. It ended... It's weird at our home. We still have Christmas up at our house. I mean, it's February. My lights are still on my house outside. I'm going to turn them on tonight. Say I won't. Everybody online going, can we find another church to watch real quick? You guys have invited me into your home. Hide the children. Glad you guys are here today. We are going to launch into a new series that deals with, with what I believe are the four biggest questions that people in our culture are asking today. Questions like, who am I? Who am I? Would you agree with me that we live in a day and age in which people really don't know who they are and they're still trying to dis- discover themselves? We, questions like, who are my friends? Listen, spoiler alert, you have 15 million friends on Facebook, not all those people are your friends. But who do you have in your quiver? Who, who's in your huddle that really are your close, connected friends? When push comes to shove, who do you have that's going to be there with you? Am I talking to anybody? Questions like this, what's my purpose, right? So many of us are still trying to figure that out. You know, we're 62, and we're trying to figure out why am I here? Listen, I, we believe that God has an incredible plan and a purpose that he wants to see played out in your life. And you're the only one that can live this. And so we're going to talk about things like that. But today we're going to start with this question, who is God? Who is God? You know, in any construction project, there is a specific order in which you have to do things. Now, obviously, you you don't just start by having the carpenters show up that morning and and start putting up the building. You know, there there, there has to be a, a, a foundation that is laid first, correct? But, but, but after you lay that foundation is when you can really start the building process. Um, uh, and you have to have plans f- f- for that building, right? It takes guys like contractors that are going to multiple groups of contractors to come and, and, and build the structure. You, you have to have carpenters. There are guys that are going to be electricians that are skilled in, in, in just connecting things correctly, right? How many of us have tried to do that before? And it's cause a lot of hurt and pain and financial stress, right? You're going to have plumbers. You're going to have pavers. You're going to have guys that are in the HVAC. You know what that means? Yeah, heating and air or something. I don't know what the V stands for. What's the V for? Ventilation. Ventilation. Okay, you little little smarty pants. Okay. (laughs) But above all of those things, you have to first have to have Robert Luna. An architect. You must have the architect. You see, without his design, it would be mass confusion. And the construction would probably not work out so, so well. In fact, men, how many times have maybe we ventured out to try to build something when probably we should have consulted the architect? Her, you know. (laughs) And ask her first. 
Speaking of Christmas lights, I'll never forget a time in which my brother and my dad and I were trying to hang lights at our house growing up as a kid. And, 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 and we were going all out. I mean, listen, Jesus is the light of the world, and we're going to light up our neighborhood. This was back before Clark Griswold, and we were, gonna, we were lighting everything we could, my tricycles. And we pulled the doghouse out out front because we had one of those big, tall plastic nativity sets. We couldn't find the, 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 the cave. or the So we just pulled my, my dog's doghouse out and lit it up kind of like Snoopy in Charlie Brown Christmas. The architect of the Brown home wasn't having that. It's not in the plans, fellas. And guess who won? Architect is so busy. You must have those plans. And so as we start this new series, we're going to start with what I believe is the most important question. uh, Because this question of who is God, I I believe it's the foundational doctrine, not only of Christianity and of faith, but I believe your answer to who is God is the foundation of your life. It, it, it affects the decisions that you will make. It'll affect how you love a spouse or how you parent a child. It'll affect maybe career choices. It'll, it'll affect decisions you make in relation to other people, you know. It, it, listen, this answer to, to who is God, it is so, so important. This, it's, it's the foundation of which everything else in life is built upon. Are you with me so far? And so who is God? In fact, when, when, when I mention the word God to, to you, there, there, there are probably so many differing opinions that, that begin to creep into our thought process right now, right? For, for, for some of you in this room, it conjures up images of maybe some old bearded, wizened, hunched over dude, you know, up in a fairy tale heaven that you've created, correct? Is God a myth? Is God maybe to you an idea that's been cooked up to, to keep us in line while we're here on earth? Is God to some of you maybe just some impersonal cosmic force? To, to some people, if you ask who is God, they see him as an angry and a bloodthirsty judge. But who is God? Who is God? And with so many differing opinions and, and, and guesses and beliefs out there, 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 to me, there seems to be one thing clear, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum. It seems to me that we're hardwired to look for God. I see so many people that are searching for him or talking about him or, or using his name or throwing it out and questioning something. But it just seems to me that there's something in us where we're, we're hardwired for God. You know, our ancient ancestors looked for God in storms and earthquakes. And and for thousands of years, religious leaders and and scholars and and philosophers have have tried to discern God's face maybe in rules and and, and rituals and, and various regulations. Today, if you fast forward to our current culture, we, 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 our search for God includes names like science and reason and, and, and logic. But, but, but what we're all looking for is the same thing that the mystics and the madmen and everyday people have always wanted. We want to know who God is and we want to know where we stand with him, don't we? We want to know who he is and we want to know where we stand with him. So with all these differing opinions and beliefs and thoughts about who God is, who's right? Which one is accurate? Now obviously all of our varied and sometimes contradictory theories about God can't be right, but I have great news for you today. There is a book that claims to tell us everything we need to know about God. 
It's called the Bible. And, and, and I don't know what this book means to you. For some, it's a coaster on a coffee table. For some, it's that thing you pull out when, when someone from, from the church comes over so you can wow and impress them, right? Deleting some DVR shows and turning on K-Love and pulling out the family Bible with that sexy picture of Jesus with long flowing hair on it. You know what I'm talking about. Now, whether you think the Bible is the word of God or just a bunch of old myths, listen, it does have a lot to say about God. And so here's what I'm going to do today. I'm not going to preach. Thank you for not applauding the first service. Like, yes, one more week. It's rude. I heard them. But today, here's a better approach, I think, to, this, to, to discovering who God is. I'm going to let the Bible preach. I'm going to let the Word of God speak today. Not that I don't the other 51 weeks out of the year, but, but today, I want to let the Word of God maybe answer the question as to who is God. Are you guys okay with that? And so listen, you type A people, I'm about to throw several things and it is going to be a lock and load type of morning around here. We're about to fly through this. There's going to be lots of screens, lots of scriptures. If you, don't, if you can't catch it, you know, um, um, you know we have on our, on our Bible app or on our church app, we have all of our points and verses. And that's why you need to download that stuff. So you, you have all the material, right? And so here we go. When you look at Scripture, the first thing you need to know is this. God is the only true God. Yes. Now, you can start in the Old Testament, the front part of the Bible, the, 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 the history of things before Jesus was born, the Old Testament. And the Old Testament contains numerous statements that show us that there is only one God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5, he showed you these things so that you would know that the Lord is God and there is no what? Other. Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 10. But the Lord is the only true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. Are you starting to see something there? God is the only true God. Fast forward into the second part of the Bible, into what we call the New Testament. The New Testament also makes some claims that there is only one God. For instance, in Ephesians chapter 4, we read, There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. Listen, if you read the Bible, you're going to find from the beginning and the end, from the glossary in the front to the maps in the back, and by the way, we believe it all at 1910, you're going to find from beginning to end that it claims that there is only one true God and there is no one like our God. There is none like him. Isaiah chapter 40 says, to whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? What I would say is what we say down here in South Texas, nada, nothing. Isaiah chapter 46, to whom will you compare me, God says. Who is my equal? 
Listen, he is not simply the greatest of all gods. He is the only true God. The so-called gods that people have worshipped for ancient times and up to the current times. The people of today. Listen, those gods are nothing but useless objects and worthless ideas that have been made by human hands and minds. The God that we worship here, the God of the Bible, is the one true God. You even see throughout Scripture where people tried to create their own gods. Moses is on the mountain meeting with God. What are the people in the valley doing? They're parting it up. They're melting their gold. They're crafting and creating their own images, right? Moses comes down and he goes off. I love it. Love it when someone goes off with holy anger. Amen. You even find that a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar builds this big image and tells everyone when the trumpet sounds, you better bow. Three teenagers. Don't you just love teenagers? We ain't doing it. Not going to bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? I mean, listen, so, so this is nothing new. This is not just a current. Listen, throughout history, People have tried to create their own image. They've tried to create their own God. And some people today think they are God. We were flying back uh, on, our, on our trip from Israel. And, 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 and one of the pilots said, hey, what have you been doing? I said, oh, I've been traveling. I'm in Israel. I'm sitting in the cockpit of the airplane, by the way. Wouldn't that be fun for me to fly that plane? Dude. Mm. That's what we need. We, we need a, a plane wrapped with our church logo on it. Just kidding. Um, and so hey, the pilot asked me this. He said, he say, do you think that God's about to return? And I said, bro, listen. I said, I, I'm not going to buy a billboard on I-35 and put a date up on it like so many dudes do. Come on, listen. If you see that mess on, on the highway and somebody's put a date, the Lord's returning here. Bro, listen. Jesus doesn't even know when his daddy's telling him it's time to come back. And, and, and we got some man sitting some Anyway, I said, I do not know the date. But Pastor Gary, I believe that the time is drawing close. Things are lining up, bro, and I can't wait. That's why I want to encourage you today. If you've not tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you've not go, 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 drank from that well, whew, friend, you need Jesus. Where am I going? I got us. That's a little detour, but that's good. That's preaching right there, right? Listen, he's the real deal. There is no other that can compare to him. You need to know that, Jack. You need to. And Jill, you need to know that. You read scripture also, you're going to find that God is holy. God is holy. The most basic word we have to describe God is holy. The holiness of God is that unique quality of God, uh, of God's existence that marks him as, as being separate from all other else. That's why he's different than the graven images that man has built from the beginning of time. Leviticus chapter 19 says, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because why? Because I said so? No, because I, the Lord, your God, am holy. 1 Samuel 2, 2, no one is holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no what? Rock like our God. And in Psalm chapter 99, it says, exalt the Lord our God. Bow low before his feet because he is holy. 
You see, the idea of holiness includes the ideas of righteousness and purity, but it is so much more because God is holy. Can I just tell you something? He stands above us in majesty and in power. He stands above us today in authority and righteousness and love. Holiness belongs to God alone. That's why we bow some of us before him in worship because we understand whose presence we're in. The psalmist says, better is one day in your courts, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your presence, Lord. You see, the psalmist understands who he's in the presence of. He's holy. He's holy. And because he is holy... And because we are his creation, therefore we have the potential to also pursue holiness. God is the creator of the universe, scripture tells us as well. I love the song we just sang. And those images of everything that God's created. The moon and the stars and all those animals. That turtle swimming through kind of freaked me out a little bit. But even that turtle... You like that? Is that? Even that turtle, the eight billion of us, we humans are his most prized creation. You know that, right? God made you. God made you. And the architect of your life, in a few weeks we're going to talk about, knows what he wants to do with your life. But he's the creator of the universe. He brought the world. He brought everything into existence. Genesis 1, the very first verse, we go back to it. In the beginning, who created? God created it. That simple statement that God created the heaven and the earth, that is one of the most challenging concepts confronting the current mind. The vast galaxy in which we live in is is spinning at an incredible speed, scientists tell us, of 490,000 miles an hour. But, but, But even at this incredible breakneck speed, our galaxy still needs 200 million years just to make one rotation. And check this out. There are over 1 billion galaxies just like ours in the total universe. Some scientists say that that the number of stars in creation is equal to the number of grains of sand on all of the beaches in the world. Yet this complex sea of, of spinning stars and galaxies, they function with remarkable order and efficiency, right? Did you see the eclipse this week? I loved it. It was Denver Bronco orange and blue. Bronco Nation. There's always next year. Is there a game today? I don't know. I just know I'm going to eat some chili somewhere. Right? But all of this incredible creation, it operates with incredible skill and precision. To say that the universe just happened or it evolved, I'm just telling you, that requires more faith than to believe that God is the one behind this amazing universe. It requires more faith to say, ah, oh, it just happened. Mm-mm. And there's too much precision with this. Too much skill. God did create a wonderful universe. Isaiah chapter 44, this is what the Lord says, your redeemer and creator. He says, I am the Lord who made all things. I alone, I alone stretched out the heavens. Who was with me when I made the earth? I did it, God said. It's me. 
If you read the Bible, you're going to also find out that God is eternal. He's eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. The word of the Lord says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, God says. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. I'm the Almighty One. You see, all else begins and ends as an expression of the will of God. But God has always existed and will always continue to exist. And so here's my encouragement for you. Knowing that he always has and he always will, here's my encouragement for you. Again, it's in scripture. Isaiah 26, trust in the Lord always. If he's the one true God and he always has been and always will be, listen, trust in the Lord always. For the Lord God is the eternal rock. Now, perhaps the best known statement that we use oftentimes that describes who God is, is the statement that God is love. You've probably used that, you've heard that, you've seen that. Oh, maybe a little precious moments doll sitting in a curio cabinet of yours. God is love. This definition of God is unprecedented. You know, that word love is spoken of roughly 800 times throughout Scripture. And, and, and love is the incredible example of who God is. The radical, relentless, unduplicated love that God has shown us. First John chapter four, verse eight says, anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love. And the kind of love that he is talking about is a saving type of love. You see someone here today, you need to understand something. God's not mad at you, but God loves you. Have we all done some things that disappoint him? Absolutely. Have we all done some things that probably hurt his heart? Am I talking to anybody? Have we done some things that were probably not his ideal plan or direction for our lives? Parents, do your earthly kids ever let you down? They do, time and time again, right? And and you might get upset or mad or with them for a while, but, but you still love your child. And I think that that might be one of the things that's so hard for us because a lot of us are equating maybe an earthly father to a heavenly father as well. And for some of us, maybe we, we have wounds of a father here on earth, right? Am I talking to anybody? And, and, and we're, we're associating that maybe God in heaven, a, a heavenly father, is like our, our earthly father. He's not. Keep in mind, he is God, we are not. I think I'm a great dad, but I pale in comparison to who God in heaven is, Correct? So, so, so we need to get past that as well, that he's not like our, our earthly fathers. Now, earthly fathers, I want to encourage you, just as Jabin did this weekend, hey, we ought to be a demonstration as to who God is in heaven. Yeah. But God loves us in a different way. It's a saving type of love. He is a saving kind of God. Listen, God loves you so much that he Well, we're going to get to that. You need to know that God is good. He's good. Revelation 15, who will not fear you, Lord? 
and glorify your name. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you for your righteous deeds have been revealed. God is good. And so if God is good, you need to know something else about him. God hates evil. Those are two opposite ends of the spectrum. Are you with me today? God is good, but he hates evil. Listen, the worst atrocity that you can think of going on in our world today, something coming to your thought right now, that is not of God. War, pain, suffering, struggle, famine, earthquake, what, that, that, that is not of God. Scripture says in Psalm chapter 5, Oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness. You cannot tolerate the sins of the wicked. Therefore, the proud may not stand in your presence, for you hate all who do evil. If God is good, he cannot be evil. Are you with me on that? Black is not white. They're different. Light and darkness are different. Good and evil are different. God is good. He is not capable of evil. But there is someone who is. And his name is Satan. And he is the devil. Let me just remind you, history course. You remember there was a time in all of creation where things were right and perfect and set in place just as God had created them, correct? But then man screwed it up. God didn't. The enemy crept in and and caused man to do something that man knew he should not have done. And therefore, we're still reaping the benefits of that. But do not ever accuse God of the evil and the atrocity that you see happening. Breaks God's heart, too, to see our world spiraling downward out of control. And I'm just thankful that we have a God that even in the midst of our spiraling downward, he still saves and restores and redeems and he still protects from time to time, correct? And you need to know that this spiraling downward will continue, but one day it will stop. And although you may not be someone who bows the knee now, one day scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But God hates evil. And the last thing I would just simply share with you today is this. God loves you and he wants to know you personally. I told you I was going to come back there. But God loves you. He's not done with you. He's not ready to kick you to the curb, put you out to pasture. No, God loves you too much. You know why I know God loves you? Well, because (laughs) it's crazy, but the Bible says so. In John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16, he says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, and so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, God sent his Son into the world. Oh, this is big. Not to what? Judge the world, but to what? Save the world. You see, for some of us, we stop at verse 16, and you miss one of the biggest verses in all of the Bible. God did not come to judge the world, but he came to save the world through Jesus. You see, that's the God you were made by. That's the God you were made for. A God who, who, who wants to love you, not hurt you. Who, who, whose love drives out the fear. Whose love for you is, is, is so massive that he desperately did not want to lose you. He would leave the others behind. We sang about it to find the one. 
And so he gave his one and he gave his only son to die on a cross to remove that sin, that junk, that funk in my life that made it impossible for me to get to him or to get to heaven, to be with him forever. He made a way. You see, all of God's anger against my human sin was taken on the cross by Jesus. All of it. Not just some, but all of it. Jesus died bearing my junk. (laughs) But he didn't stay dead. (laughs) He died, absolutely. But he didn't stay dead. You see, he blasted out of that grave and he proved that he can also deliver eternal life just as he promised. You, you, You can tell how much God loves by how much he spent on you. He spent his one and only son. That's how much he loves you. And so maybe what you're trying to build in your life today hasn't been going the way you hoped it would or, 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 or the love and the happiness that, that you were planning, maybe it isn't working out like it's supposed to. Maybe you are here today and you've tried to, to build your life pretty much as, as you wanted. The building could even be up and constructed, but, but you're not satisfied living in it. You're restless. You're confused. You're, you're still filled with disappointments. And maybe even today, as great as everything looks around you, deep down inside, you're still lonely. Hey, can I encourage you with something? If, if your plans haven't worked out or, or, or if your plans haven't gone with the way that you were looking for them to go, maybe it's time to go back to mm, the architect. Maybe it's time to get back to the one who created you, who knows the plans and purposes that he has for you. Maybe it's time to turn to him. In fact, I just leave you with this. Psalm chapter 100, verse 3, God says this. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we, we are his. We are his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, that there is no one like you. There's no one higher. There's no one greater. There's no one who loves us more. We're your most prized creation. You love us so much you gave your very life for us, Father. Thank you for that. And we worship you. We stand and we declare that there is no one higher. There is no one like our God. Would you stand as we respond? Just sing this.